This edition of Farming the Countryside is brought to you by Pivot Bio Proven. Get what you paid for. The nitrogen that stays put, whether or not. Learn more at pivotbio.com. Welcome to Farming the Countryside. I'm Andrew McRae. Are small towns dying or thriving? It depends on who you ask and where you travel. I'll take you to Faribault, Minnesota, where community members have adopted initiatives that have brought many new businesses back downtown and brought locals and visitors to town for many events. It's a how-to on small-town revitalization. It's our topic for this week's Farming the Countryside, brought to you by Pivot Bio Proven. In 2020, I had the chance to use a new corn nitrogen product firsthand in my fields, Pivot Bio Proven. Pivot Bio Proven adheres to the root of the corn plant, creating a mutually beneficial nitrogen-generating partnership that stays strong all the way through harvest. It's the weather-resistant and sustainable way to achieve more predictable, more productive yields than ever before. Our 2021 trial is underway, and I'll be reporting on what we find. We'll be looking at how Pivot Bio Proven can help supply corn with the nitrogen it needs throughout the season. And that hopefully means the use of less synthetic nitrogen in the future, saving us money while still supplying the corn the nitrogen it needs. Pivot Bio Proven may change the way you think about nitrogen. Learn more at pivotbio.com. There's nothing to do in my small town. All the businesses are gone. There's no hope of bringing it back. I've heard those comments about small towns all across America. However, I can take you to towns that are doing well. They are experiencing new small businesses opening on Main Street. They are hosting events that bring people to town and creating a beautiful place that people want to live and work. Faribault, Minnesota is one of those places that's turning things for the better. It's a town of about 20,000, which, depending on where you live, may seem large or small. But no matter where you live, I think you'll find my conversation with Kelly Nygaard to give you ideas that you can put to use. She's the tourism director and Main Street coordinator at the Faribault Area Chamber of Commerce. And we talk about the changes taking place and what we can all learn from their efforts. So, Kelly, take me back however many years you want to go. I'm suspecting Faribault's downtown did not look the way it does today. I know there's always progress to be made, but what was it once like here? So our downtown has really ebbed and flowed over the years, as most downtowns have. In the 80s, there was a big transition to malls in which we saw more vacancies and people kind of step away from the historic downtown and the maintenance level. And that just kind of stayed that way for a couple decades. In the early 2000s, there was a big movement within our community that we needed to preserve our history. We have the second largest historic district in the state of Minnesota. And we have these beautiful architectural elements on our buildings that have been built to last a lifetime with proper maintenance. And they add character, and they're really the heart of our community. So an effort was made to begin the process of restoring them, and several private citizens and businesses stepped up and worked on their properties. And through that, the Chamber of Commerce had always maintained a downtown committee But at that point, they started collecting the materials and going through the process of becoming a certified Main Street community, which uses a four-pillar approach to help kind of manage and navigate the process of restoring a historic community. 
So some business owners, I'm sure, would have the wherewithal to be able to do those improvements, but some may not, and some buildings are vacant. So how did you begin the process then of, okay, we're all going to pitch in and and begin to make this happen? Because most of your buildings today look very nice from the outside, and many have been renovated inside. That has been a shared process. Some of our local lenders have been great partners. Additionally, we've been able to utilize programs like the Historic Tax Credit Um, and we've also been able to work with our local historic preservation committee and our EDA to help provide low interest loans, as well as some grants to help offset that and make it a little more viable for the businesses to begin that process. Um, we also have free rendering. So if somebody has a building that's maybe been covered over by a non-original surface, we've done the research to see based on historic photos, blueprints, any information we can access from the time what that building originally looked like and what shape we anticipate it would be under so that if they were to remove whatever layer's been added, that resource is readily available. What about getting the new businesses in? Some of the programs you have, you'd have grants. Once upon a time, you could get $20,000, it sounds like, but you changed because you could spread it out more. Is that right? Yeah, we offer a micro-grant program where each spring we start advertising for it, and it includes free business coaching. Whether you meet once or 20 times, there's never a cost, and they help you develop every level of your business plan from marketing to bookkeeping to what your inventory and when you're going to be able to grow your staff. And we at work, you can work with them to develop a business plan and submit it. We go through the process. We have a panel that reviews all of the applicants and we're typically able to fund about five but it varies a little bit up to five thousand dollars and that can be used to help them with signage shelving point of sale systems all of those tangible items that you need to help you get off the ground and while five thousand dollars isn't going to be everything that you need you're still going to need skin in the game it's certainly a really huge asset and that's for businesses that are looking to open or expand into the historic district of Faribault. When you're looking up and down this this Main Street or Central Avenue now, how many of these businesses would you say they're here in part because of that program? We helped them get started, and perhaps they wouldn't have been here if we hadn't have done that. The program's still relatively new. We're currently in the third year of its existence the way it is. But all in all, I was just looking at this the other day, and we've been able to help 12 businesses so far. We'll be awarding another round of grants this summer, which I'm anticipating will end up about 20 businesses have received awards, which is pretty significant in a town like this to be able to have that resource. Right. You mentioned that, of course, we have businesses normally on the first story, but a lot of these buildings are two or even three stories. So what had been happening up above? It uh, was a variety of things that had been happening to the, the above stories in these buildings. Historically, a shop owner would have lived above. But again, that's something that kind of as people really wanted the single family home experience, those spaces a lot of times became vacant, which is underutilized space. Our community is a growing community, according to the University of Minnesota Extension Service. We're one of the few outstate Minnesota communities seeing significant growth. And with that becomes a need for a greater inventory of houses and different varieties of housing units. Well, we have currently underutilized space, so we've been organizing the upstairs downtown tour, and we're going up into the properties to kind of inspire 
people to renovate, to purchase, and to look at all of the possibilities of what these spaces on the second and third stories could be. From offices to high-end living quarters, we have a really nice variety. And there's still a lot of potential that hasn't been explored but we're only going to do that if people can visualize what it would look like. And previously, they had no point of reference. It's been so long since people have lived downtown and seen these high ceilings, the exposed brick, that they don't get to experience that. Well, by doing the upstairs downtown, we're not only showcasing beautiful units that can inspire them, they're also getting a taste of that walkability because we walk from place to place and you, on your way, you pass that coffee shop or that little, you know, boutique you might want to stop back and check out later and so it's just a really great realization of hey i could live down here and not have to worry about shoveling be close to all of these amenities and if you're a property owner it's significantly helping you cash flow your business which makes it easier to offer a lower rent to that first floor business or conversely brings people with disposable income down into those shops to help support them so everyone wins how do you continue to get people back? Hopefully you have a good experience, but maybe people for the first time, you have a lot of promotions that you do. I'm suspecting that has been one of the big things that the Main Street program, even the Chamber's done here. Yeah, we try to do an array of events to bring people down and make sure that they have a positive experience downtown. Um, a mixture of both ringing the cash registers day of, but also just creating lasting memories and a thought of downtown is the place to be. So we do a series of car crews and, and shows the third Friday of every month, May through September. We do ladies' nights, crazy days. We have a winter festival that has a parade of lights and fireworks and is just this great, joyous event. We have the Faribault Flannel Formal. We have the Blue Collar Festival, which is 12 hours of live music on the city streets. And all of those bring in an array of people to hopefully have a tremendous experience and then come back another time to visit again or make it an annual tradition that they and their family can enjoy. So some people listening to this, you I mean, you're a town of 20-ish thousand. Some people listening to this will say, okay, well, those are great ideas, but how do you come up with the people to put it on or the money to put it on? How are you making that happen? Or is it just a function of the size of the city and the city's decided we're going to allocate X number of dollars to be able to, to handle it? How do you, how do you manage the, the money and the people? We are really lucky in that a lot of our businesses support the work that we do. So we're able to do event sponsorships, which helps offset it. And those sponsorships are essentially a marketing opportunity, and we make sure that they get their marketing value. So if your business elects to sponsor the car cruise, for instance, that's a series of six to seven events per summer where you are invited to come and set up a booth downtown, direct directly interact with your consumer base, gain that visibility. You're on posters, you're on our website, you're getting you know, verbal shout outs throughout the event, and you also get some VIP access. So we sell those events. Volunteers, you know, that ebbs and flows, but we are lucky that we have a great relationship with our local CERT and our American Legion and just, again, people that are really passionate. And the other thing we find is a lot of people think it's just a fantastic time to volunteer. Um, you know, when you're directing traffic for the parade of lights, they'll tell you they've got the best view in the house because they are on the street seeing it up close and personal. And that's a really fun spot to be. And then we always try to take them out and do a special event for our volunteers as a thank you because we know that they're using their personal time to help benefit the community. So we try to build in some incentives. 
You've got some things that I have seen in other places, but not perhaps that much. You might want to talk about your murals, your flowers, your benches. You've really worked to make uh, the places around the businesses look nice, too. Yes, we have a design committee that has really given great consideration to the function and beauty of our historic district. There are elements that are beyond our control, like private properties, but there are those things that we can do. Um, Some of that has been private owners that built a pocket park to add to the community, but we've also facilitated a grant for creative placemaking that added to the murals, and we have an active mural society We currently have about 15 murals downtown, and we're adding. We just did a ribbon cutting this summer on another one, Um, all very vibrant, some of which tell our history or give a nod to it in a different way and are great visual additions to our downtown. And we have a small selection of ghost murals that linger as well, which is really fun. We have beautiful flower baskets throughout our entire downtown, and that's a partnership with the city and the senior center. Our local seniors actually have a little cart. They come around, they water them for us, and they keep them looking vibrant and beautiful all summer long. And we've just a year ago added 23 benches to our downtown, each one custom fabricated right down to the arms. We went to an iron foundry, and we had them reverse engineer in a fleur-de-lis, which is our town symbol. And the benches are cast iron and stainless steel. And on the backs, they each have three to four pictures And they tell a little bit of our town's history. So as you walk these 23 benches, each one tells a little, a different chapter, if you will, of our community's heritage. And so that's another asset that we have that's both informational, but also really helps to educate people on what we have and provides a resting spot for those who maybe have limited mobility, who just want to enjoy the nice weather outside, or, you know, who are waiting for someone. It's a great asset to have. And we have these two beautifully restored tilt-a-whirl cars. Faribault is actually where the tilt-a-whirl was invented and built. And we had a couple of really passionate community members who were Main Street committee members as well who took the lead on getting those restored, one of which was done on national television on the show American Restoration. And then they came back and there was this ribbon cutting. And so they kind of bookend our downtown. They're out in the summer months. We do put them away in the winter to help preserve them away from the salt. Um, But they're a great addition to downtown and such a pivotal part of our community's history. And they also serve as a fantastic photo opportunity. You've done a a nice job here. For some people listening to this, they'll say, well, they're bigger than us. We live in a littler town. But you're around a lot of smaller towns here in Minnesota. So what can they take away from Faribault? What can be replicated in even smaller places where they say, well, I don't have that much manpower, that much money, but still they can do a lot of these things, can't they? I would say anything is better than nothing, and you have to start small. And that's what we did. The scope of things, you might feel overwhelmed, and you might sit back and say, there's no way we can accomplish all this, or it's going to take so long. You just really need to narrow in the scope and pick one or two projects that you can knock off. And some of these are really low cost. You know, you can do an art project, a public mural, if you have someone that's volunteering their time for relatively low cost. Or a festival, 
can be done relatively low cost. And once you create one success, you'll gain the momentum. You'll find community partners and businesses who want to support and be backers and collaborate because they're going to be excited about what's happening too. And keep track of all of your accomplishments. It's sometimes you get so busy on all of the things you haven't done yet or are still to do that you forget to look back and say, Look at how far we've come. And even if you just do one thing, they don't need to be expensive. Putting planters out, if that's all you do in the scheme of it, planters are fairly low cost, but create such a visual impact. And it's those little things that build up over time. We have the expression in our meetings that we're not trying to build the Super Bowl. We're trying to build Disneyland because the Super Bowl is a flash in the pan. It's one day. It comes into a community. It takes all of this resources and infrastructure and money, and then it's gone. Whereas Disney World, and not to say that's a bad thing, but we can only allocate our resources so far. And so for us... We want incremental small changes that are going to build up over time because we want to be Disney World where it's an investment for the long term and we're creating a destination that every day of the week and every month of the year, year over year, has desirable qualities and makes people want to come here and it adds to our community, it adds to our job force, it adds to our housing, it adds, it just becomes a great place to both live, work, and visit. So we've talked mostly about the good things, but what are the challenges? Because, you know, everything, it it takes some hard work. So what's been the biggest challenges for Furbo? You know, I hate to say the obvious, but obviously funding. You know, we're a small nonprofit. We're a relatively small community. uh, And none of these projects are inexpensive. Another really heartbreaking thing is when you have absentee owners who are not engaged, they don't have pride of ownership, and they let their buildings kind of self-destruct because while these buildings are built to a degree that is almost uncomprehendable today, the quality, the craftsmanship, the materials themselves, they still require basic maintenance. And if left without that, they can get to the point where it's demolition by neglect, essentially, where it becomes unsafe or unviable to save that building. And that's really heartbreaking to see happen. So when you have those absentee owners That's certainly a struggle. The other thing that we face is perception. You know, um, oh, there's nothing going on downtown Faribault. Well, there is if you're willing to look, but you have to come down. You know, we'll have people who'll be like, there's nothing to do. And then I'll start listing things off. And they're like, well, when did that happen? When did this happen? You know, and I don't know how you reach those people because we advertise in every form possible and we keep track of it. And one year somebody complained and said, well, I didn't know you were doing fireworks and a parade of lights. And I said, well, it was on Facebook. It was on Instagram. It was on a billboard. It was in the newspaper. It was on the radio. I had it taped to every pizza delivery box for a month in advance. It was on posters. It was, you know, and I listed off and they said, well, none of those reach me. And I said, well, what does? And they couldn't come up with a better solution. So when you've got people that are kind of intentfully disengaged, I don't know how you reach them, but that's something that that we face. But I think the other thing would be people's expectation that it's going to turn in a day, you know, that you're going to go in and magically wave a wand. But progress takes time. It takes mindfulness. It takes investment. And even if you have all of the things lined up, even if you have the money, and even if you've got the design, maybe 
Maybe the contractor has other projects that are ahead of yours. Maybe there's a delay in manufacturing. Maybe the, Rome wasn't built in a day, and restoring these downtowns to their vibrancy isn't going to happen overnight either. So again, it's just reminding them of all the successes you have had and saying progress is a continual timeline. We're never going to be done because when we finish everything that's on our current list, there'll be a new crop of things. I'm interested. A lot of towns have trouble not only with leadership, but getting young leadership and, you know, kind of having a succession plan. So you have a nice mix. Has that worked well from Faribault? Because you're a fairly young person to be doing this. So how do you get young people and, and older folks alike engaged in the process? I think the sooner you get them engaged, the better. We've got some of our local schools are really good about having programs that incentivize students to get involved. Um, we also offer at the chamber, we call it our Faribault's Future Program. A lot of communities have a similar program where they grab professionals from, even if you're from the area, it's amazing how much you can learn by going through this program. It's a nine-month program where you learn about yourself, you learn how to advance your business, and you learn about the community. And as part of that, you have to do a community project. And people always walk away inspired and looking to get engaged. And the other thing is, I think we try to make it fun. You know, if you're going to, you know, help with traffic control, well, we're going to get you a cool shirt and we're going to have music playing and I'm going to get you, you know, the beverage of your choice when all's said and done at the end of the day and, and make sure you feel appreciated. And once, and bring a friend, if it makes it better, like do those things. And that's not to say we don't sometimes struggle with getting volunteers, but I think we've got some movers and shakers in our community who realize that your community is only as good as you make it. And so they've kind of been our bell ringers, if you will. And they're charismatic enough that when they invite their friends out and say, we're going to go do this thing, their friends will come and get engaged as well. Um, for succession planning with our businesses, that is a free service that we offer at the chamber. If you are a business looking to retire and you're not sure what that next step is or what have you, again, the Small Business Development Center will meet with you one time to 20 times, doesn't matter, at no cost, and help you develop that plan. But part of that... A lot of younger professionals don't necessarily have the financial wherewithal or that built in. So helping them develop resources and connecting them with banks and lending institutions to navigate that process. But also that's where that micro grant can come into handy as well because it makes it a little less daunting knowing you've got the support system and it's not all on you if you're not successful because you've got buy-in from the Main Street program. Why don't we wind up with this for folks that maybe they live out on the farm or a smaller town or even a town the size of Faribault or larger? We all have challenges. Where would you tell them to get started? Because as you mentioned, we want to see little successes, but how do we get started and make some of this happen wherever we live? I think you need to get together the people that are passionate about your community and who are already making the investments, whether that is, you know, they volunteer to coach the wrestling team or they're serving the FFA or whatever department that might be. Those are people who care not just about their own business and viability, but they really care about the benefit of the entire community and have a meeting. You know, when, when main street was first starting, that was something there was a lot of was every single business and every downtown resident was invited. And it was, let's talk about all the pros. Let's talk about all the cons. And then let's talk about what we can do to elevate. What can we resolve? And let's be, you know, 
sky high with our ideas, but let's also do some reasonable ones. And then narrow it down to what's one small thing we can do today. And maybe that's a community-wide cleanup with your local Boy Scouts just to paint over any graffiti, clean up any broken glass, do things like that. Maybe it's as simple as buying some extra garbage cans for downtown or recycling bins. Maybe it's going around and just you know, doing washing windows so they really shine or helping a business create a window display. They already have the window. They already have the products, but really maybe they just don't know how to merchandise. And that's something that's free or very low cost and using those people that are already engaged and partnering people with different skill sets who might not normally engage, but it might be a perfect fit. Kelly, I appreciate the time. I'm sure you want folks to, to come here and see downtown. Yeah, we would love to have you come and visit Faribault. It's pronounced Faribault. It's spelt Fairbolt. So when you look it up, you should know that. And you can find more information um, as a visitor at visitfairbolt.com. And if you're looking for information on our Main Street program, go to fairbowmn.org. You'll see the Main Street tab, and it'll have my contact information, as well as information about the program at large. I'd encourage you to connect with Kelly, or better yet, make a trip to Fairbow. Like all towns, there's still work to be done. It's a continual process, as Kelly noted, and you'll always find naysayers and others who will note that you're overlooking what's wrong. After three decades of visiting small towns in rural America for my broadcasting work, I can tell you that challenging people and situations reside everywhere. But the good news is, great leaders and ideas reside everywhere as well. Get folks together and begin to do something. Perhaps it's just an initiative to clean up the town and make it look attractive again. Big changes begin with small projects that build over time. I also want to encourage you to follow Total Town Makeover on Facebook and go to TotaltownMakeover.com. Both are places where we are accumulating stories like these that you can listen or view to find ideas you can put to use where you live. So please follow or visit Total Town Makeover. It's a great place to learn and share what's going right in small town America. I appreciate you joining us either on your local radio station or via the podcast. Remember to connect with myself on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter as well. I'm Andrew McRae. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time on Farming the Countryside. Farming the Countryside has been brought to you by Pivot BioProven. Get what you paid for, the nitrogen that stays put, whether or not. Learn more at pivotbio.com.